We have one of our missionaries with us, missionary to Japan, Brother James Miyashita. If you'll come up and preach to us this morning, y'all make him welcome this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Let's see. Uh, may we be found faithful. I came not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, and he faithfully completed that mission, and he gave his life to do that. And uh, we do thank uh, those who have given their lives for us so we could have our uh, physical freedom, but Jesus gave us to, gave his life so we could have life and we could have it more abundantly. Uh, and not only did Jesus die, but he came back from the dead. And so that makes him the very God he claimed to be and the risen savior and the new purpose and hope for our lives. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful place to celebrate that this morning here at Anchor of Hope. It's good to be back. Um, I was talking with some folks before the service. The last time I was here, was with my wife. We were childless at the time. Now we have two little munchkins running around. Our oldest son, Silas, is now two. Our younger son, Amos, is uh, one. Um, our oldest son turns three this coming September. Um, we have just gotten back from Japan this past March uh, after spending two years on the field. Our younger son was actually born in Japan. And uh, we had two goals for our term there. One was for more ministry experience. The second was for my wife's language school. I have a few pictures that I'd like to show you uh, from our time there in Japan, if we could pull those up there. Uh, we had the opportunity to work with Brother Will Hill and his family. They started a Kibol Baptist Church, Hope Baptist Church, there in a city about two hours north of Tokyo called Niigata. And uh, this is the storefront uh, uh, that they were renting there. Um, and if you go to the next picture, you'll see what it looks like during the summer. Pretty normal, you know, just an average street there. Uh, but during the winter, if you go to the next photo, uh, we got quite a bit of snow. Uh, this past winter especially was no exception. Uh, several Sundays, we spent about an hour just shoveling snow out of the parking lot. Uh, but, you know, I'm always surprised wherever we go uh, at how much Japanese everybody speaks here in the United States. You know, someone mentioned about how much English they speak in Japan. Uh, but I wanted to comment on how much Japanese that everybody even here this morning speaks. Did you know you all speak Japanese? Uh, let me help you out. Let me refresh your memory, okay? Honda. <laughs> uh, how about this one? How about Toyota? Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> No, Japan is a very modern country. They make cars and they have computers and all these things. But uh, this next photo that I'm going to show you was taken not too far from uh, the church, within about a mile. That is an idol. That is a stone idol uh, about 8 to 10 feet tall by the main road there. Um, Japan is a very advanced country, but they still worship idols. 99% of the country does not claim to be Christian. They don't even claim to be Christian. You know, here you have people that claim to be Christian, but... You know, that's a different story. <laughs> but in Japan, they don't even claim to be Christian, and many of them worship idols. They go to shrines, and it's a normal part of their life. And so it was our privilege, and thanks to your faithful support, we got to go and tell people who have never heard the gospel uh, about who Jesus is and what he came to do and how he not only died, but came back from the dead. And so we want to thank you for letting us do that. And this next photo that I would like to show you is my wife. She just graduated this past March. Um, she graduated the following week. We came back to the United States. Now, uh, in this next photo that we're going to see, uh, this, is, this man, his name is Mr. Sato. 
Uh, this past year has been kind of an interesting year for us. Uh, it, it was kind of an interesting year for us in Japan. There's this thing that happened. I'm not sure if you guys heard about it. Uh, something called a, like a coronavirus or something like that. You might have heard of it. Anyway, uh, some of this uh, started affecting us here uh, in Japan as well. And uh, so attendance was going down. Brother Hill, his mom, had to have some major surgery, so he had to return back to the States for several months. And so my wife and I were there looking after the church. Uh, attendance was down. Morale was kind of down. And one Sunday morning, uh, out of the blue, this man, Mr. Sato, walks in. And so, you know, we kind of get curious, like, okay, what's his story? What's going on here? Get to talk to, talking to him. Are you a Christian? No. Have you been to church before? No, 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 no. Okay, well, have a seat. Glad you're here. Begin to share with him about the gospel. Begin. He begins coming faithfully on Sunday mornings, and we begin studying the Bible together. And uh, we would cover some basic truths about what the Bible teaches, such as where we came from. Well, we came from a creator, God. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created us and knows us and knows who we are and knows our thoughts and, and knows, uh, knows us individually. And uh, why am I here? Uh, we're here to have a relationship with our creator. Uh, we're not just, we weren't just created and left to our own, but God uh, knows us, but all, not only wants knows about us, but wants to know us on an individual level. And then we say, where are we going? Well, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that there is none righteous, no, not one. And we talk about how man uh, 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 man by himself, in his, left to his own devices, in his own sin, he is headed to a place called the lake of fire, where there's weeping, there's gnashing of teeth, a fire that is not quenched, there, there, there is eternal suffering. But that Jesus Christ came and bore the penalty for our sins, the crimes we have committed against our Creator. And that He bore those on the cross, died in three days later, physically rose from the dead. And, and that whoever will trust Jesus Christ and what He did and what and he did alone to, to cover their sins, to, to atone for their sins, that they can be saved. And, and so we, we begin looking at this Bible study together. And, you know, usually the first week we just start talking about creation, those basic things. But I don't want anybody to start a Bible study and quit without ever hearing the gospel. So uh, we would share the gospel with them as well. Um, but so we started doing this Bible study, he and I did. And, uh, you know, we started going through, and he started listening to the Bible on his own as well. On your phone, you can get an app where you can listen to the Bible. And so he started listening to the Bible while he was driving. Lost guy. Uh, so about the third week, he sit, we sit down together before church to study the Bible together. And he says, now, before we start, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, I, wanna just, I just want to let you know that I have become a believer now. Okay, <laughs> tell me about that. He said, well, you know, I was listening to the Bible, listening to uh, how Jesus came back from the dead and all these things, and I thought, okay, that, that kind of sounds a little crazy, right? I haven't seen anybody come back from the dead recently. I'm not sure about you guys, uh, but uh, it's not something that we see very often. And But he said, I was listening to the Gospels, and I got to the book of Acts and began to hear how the apostles, the disciples, they begin to give their lives for what Jesus did. They lived and they died for this. And there's no way that this would be made up and they would do that. And I decided that I'm going to become a believer as well. And so he placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he actually just got baptized today. 
Uh, the Hills uh, had a baptismal service. He brought some of his friends there as well. A 50-year-old man, never been to church in his life. And uh, we were the first church that he ever actually visited and heard the gospel at. And church, you had a part in him coming to know Jesus. You know, the Hills, they were in the States at the time. You were supporting us, so we were able to be there to help op- keep the doors open. And uh, he got to hear the gospel, got saved. He's, his, his eternal destination has been changed. So Anchor of Hope Baptist Church, thank you so much for having a part in, in, what, the, uh, in what God is wanting to do in and around the world. Now, uh, the next photo as well, uh, the young man on the right, his name's Takafumi. He's not uh, from a Christian home. Uh, but he started coming to our church. Uh, he got saved there uh, at the church as well. Next photo, uh, we're going to see, uh, this was our last Sunday there. Um, they had a going away party for us uh, March 14th. Uh, and then the following day, we flew back to the States. Now, uh, next photo, great, yes, thank you. Uh, this coming August, August 26th, we have tickets to fly back to Japan. Uh, we are going to be moving to Nagoya. Uh, Nagoya is... Uh, one of the third, the third largest metro area in Japan. Uh, two million people in that city. The greater metro area, the greater Nagoya area has about 10 million people. That's the state of Georgia, uh, approximately. And so, uh, we are praying and actively seeking God's direction of whip, which part of this city to move to, uh, and plant a church in. Uh, we're asking for everybody who is partnering with us to be praying with us about this and for God to be preparing the hearts of those people that we go and share the gospel with. Uh, we do know that God can begin working right now, and so we're asking you to begin praying with us about that as well. One thing before we uh, open our Bibles, uh, I would like to encourage you. We have a, a table set up in the, the foyer. Uh, we have some things that we brought back from Japan. We have some candy that we brought back from Japan as well. Uh, you can't get that stuff around here, so get yours while you can. Um, but we do covet your prayers, and you guys support us, so we do want to emphasize this. It is your right to know what your missionaries are doing, and it's our responsibility to communicate that to you. And uh, we believe in prayer, and we would like for you to know what's going on and how to pray for us, specifically as we go back to Japan. On that table, you're going to find a piece of paper like this. Uh, it's just a small slip of paper. Uh, this is our email sign-up. There's some pens out there as well. Just fill this out. Fill it out with your name your email address, however much information you want to give us, and how often you would like to hear from us. If you fill this out, we will add you to our email list, and you can stay in touch and know how you can be praying for us. That way you know specifically what you can be praying for and also what's going on uh, in the ministry, and so you know what you're supporting there. So um, please don't forget to sign up for that on your way out today. Now, if you have your Bibles, though, I would love to turn with you to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter number four. Um, it's really interesting in Japan how much they, they keep up with the United States, um, uh, whether it's elections, politics, everything. Um, and I think this past year we've seen uh, an immense division, uh, and we, we've seen how, how divided we can become uh, as a people. How divided we can become over issues, over uh, opinions, over all of these things. Um, but we're going to look at John chapter number 4, and beginning in verse number 4, uh, because I want you to realize today that it's easy for us to get very sidetracked by all these issues and, 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 and things that we see. But through it all, God wants you to realize that he is at work in your life. He's at work in your life. You say, I don't see it. I don't feel it. That's not what I'm here to argue. I'm not here to argue whether you see it or feel it or not. I'm here to argue that God is at work in your life. 
And we're going to look at that here in just a minute. But we're going to begin reading in John chapter 4 and verse number 4. The Bible says, and he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. Jesus had been, had been ministering in this part of the country, Judea, near Jerusalem, in this area, and his, his movement begins to expand. His number of followers begins to grow. His opposition catches wind of that, and Jesus, knowing that it wasn't yet his time to be uh, publicly killed and crucified, withdraws, and he's going to go to a place up north called Galilee. But on his way there, the Bible says that he must needs go through Samaria. Very interesting phrase here that we find. He must needs go through Samaria. He didn't just want to go. He didn't just think the, the sites would be good or it would be a good idea. He said he had to go through Samaria. Where was Samaria? Samaria was a place where the people were of a different ethnicity. Uh, they were a mixed breed, so perhaps their skin color would be a little bit different. They were of a different religion. They were of a different persuasion. Uh, in, in a modern sense, it was the other side of the tracks. And Jesus says, I've got to go through there. He must needs go through Samaria. A, a, an Orthodox Jew, a, a very strong Jewish person, would not go through Samaria. It was the shortest route to go north, but they would not. They would cross the river. They would go north and cut back across. But Jesus said, we're not doing that today. We're going to go through Samaria. And Jesus meets this woman uh, as they're traveling through Samaria. It's about noontime, and his disciples, they go off into the town to get lunch, and uh, as he's sitting there by this well, Jacob's well, he meets this woman and finds out that, uh, as we read the story, that she has a very uh, uh, non-traditional life, if we can call that. Her lifestyle is not what we would call traditional values. <laughs> we find out that uh, she has had five failed marriages. She's living with a man who is not her husband. Uh, she is not a, a true worshiper of God, but uh, Jesus has this conversation with her and begins to point her to who he really is. And in verse number 26, Jesus reveals that he is the Christ. Jesus says, I that speak unto thee am he. The one, for the woman, the light bulbs turn on. She realizes that Jesus has been, Jesus is this promised savior that everybody has been waiting for. Everybody's been waiting for this man called the Christ, the Messiah, to show up and fix everything. And Jesus says, guess what? I'm here. I'm here. But we're going to pick up the story in verse number 27. It says, Upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Then the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Jesus has revealed that he is the Christ. This woman is overjoyed because she has found the Savior. She goes back to the city and begins to bring all these men out to see Jesus. But in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Have any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus is there sitting. He's just had this conversation with this lady. And she's, she's gone off, and the disciples, they have come back to Jesus, and they have lunch, and they're saying, All right, Jesus, it's lunchtime. Now that she's gone, let's go ahead and eat. And Jesus says, 
I have meat to eat that you know not of. I have stuff that keeps me going. I have stuff that sustains me that you have no idea about. And, and they're still thinking about physical, literal food. And they say, who brought Jesus lunch? Who brought Jesus lunch? We just had to sit through the drive-thru because dining was closed, okay? They wouldn't take our order at the counter. We had to sit through the drive-thru. We went all through this time. We brought this food back, and he won't even eat it. What's wrong? What's going on? But Jesus, here's what Jesus says in verse number 35. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus says, guys, let me tell you something. You missed it. You missed it. Jesus had this conversation with this woman, a woman that most of us would probably feel very uncomfortable talking to, <laughs> to be quite honest. Uh, if you knew her story, you knew her background, she lives in the wrong part of town, she looks different, she worships wrong, she probably votes wrong, okay? She doesn't vote the way we would expect her to vote, okay? All, everything is wrong. She posts the wrong stuff on Facebook, she says the wrong stuff, everything. It's the person you unfollow, okay? But Jesus says, no, 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 no. She is not just a Samaritan. She is a soul. She's not just a Samaritan. She is a soul. But the disciples, when they saw her, they saw a Samaritan. And they said, okay, the Samaritan, the problem person is gone. We can eat lunch now. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. God was at work here. You were worried about lunch. I was worried about a soul. 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 You see, so many times we are so focused on our material things, and there's nothing wrong with material things and possessions and uh, God's blessings, but we're so focused on the things in our life that we neglect to see that God is at work. And sometimes we neglect to harvest because we're so focused on our things. The disciples... They just went off into town. They came back. But Jesus got to see someone find out who he really was. A person gets saved. He saw a Samaritan saved. He saw a soul saved. But the disciples were worried about lunch. Can I ask you this morning, when you see people, what do you see? Do you see a Samaritan? Do you see a problem? Or do you see a soul? Do you see his soul? Here's what Jesus says. And I love, I love, I love how he phrases it in verse number 35. He says, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. I think this is perfect for our generation. Why? Let, let me, let me illustrate. Lift up your eyes. <laughs> you might, you, you, you might not get run over if you lift up your eyes. Okay? Lift up your eyes. And look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Lift up your eyes. You see, you say, I don't feel like God is at work in my life. God isn't doing anything anymore. It doesn't feel like it. I don't see it. Well, maybe it's just that God didn't post it on Facebook. <laughs> all the negatives, this is happening, that's happening. We're all going to die. They've been saying that for a number of years now. 
the last expiration date for the world was like 2012, and then it keeps getting full. I don't know. But Jesus says, hey, guys, lift up your eyes. Look around. There's a harvest right in front of you. Right in front of you. And here's the beautiful thing. In verse number 36, he says, He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. He says, there are dividends, there are rewards for doing the Lord's work. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye entered into their labors. Jesus said, hey, guys, listen, God has already been at work in this place. Before you ever even showed up, God's been working here. He's at work. He's doing something. That friend that you've been praying for, that family member that you love that's lost, that person that you're praying for, before you ever even showed up, before you even got saved, God loved them. God wanted them to get saved. And God's at work in their life. God's at work in your life. But as we read this story, as we read this account of Jesus going through Samaria, there's a a very troubling question that we have to answer from this passage. And that uh, we have two, actually. Number one, where is your Samaria? Where is your Samaria? And number two, who is your Samaritan? Where is your Samaria, and who is your Samaritan? These are the places that we don't typically like to go. These are the people that we don't typically want to associate with. Maybe they look different, talk different, eat different, believe different, vote different. They're different. Because in the middle of all the conflict, in the middle of all the turmoil, what we end up seeing is a Samaritan. Oh, there are this. There are that. They do this. They vote that. They believe this. They say that. We see Samaritans. So we go off into town. We go through the drive-thru. We think, oh, the Samaritan touched my lunch. <laughs> sanitize. And then keep moving. Go back to our homes, the comfort, and, and begin to re- look at all the problems the world has again. We see, ah, oh, another Samaritan doing something. Samaritans are, are, are destroying the capital. Samaritans are doing this. Samaritans are doing that. Samaritans, Samaritans, Samaritans. Oh, somebody's got to do something about those Samaritans. And Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria. Could it be, could it be that in this generation that we live, God is at work, but maybe it's the neighborhoods that we refuse to go to? Could it be that God is wanting to save people, but they just don't believe right right now? And they need to hear the gospel? Can I ask you this? Who is your Samaritan? A person that doesn't look like you. A person who doesn't vote like you. A person who doesn't believe like you. A person who doesn't live in your neighborhood. But that Jesus, when he sees him, he says, I see a soul. I see a soul. Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. And yet so many times we're just expecting lost people to act like us. And we get mad when they don't. We get mad when, 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 when filthy, rotten sinners act like filthy, rotten sinners. But Jesus, when he sees this lady at the well, do you know what he first says? 
He doesn't say, you're lost and dying, going to hell. He says, ma'am, could I have a drink? Could I have a cup of water? And begins this conversation, treats her with dignity, respects her, but then points her to her real need. He says, ma'am, I have living water. I know your past. He says, go bring your husband. She says, I have no husband. He says, you have said, well, you have no husband. You have had five husbands. And the man you are with now, he is not your husband. And that thou saidest truly. He knew her mess. We don't have to pretend like these people who are different from us don't have problems. We all have problems. And Jesus says, hey, I must needs go through Samaria. I must needs go through Samaria. When was the last time you visited your Samaria? And in our modern English, we call this the other side of the tracks. You say, God isn't at work. God isn't doing anything anymore. We're just trying to make it through. We're just trying everything to, waiting for everything to go back to normal. Could it be that God has been showing us the Samaritans? Could it be that God is showing us the reality of the world we live in and saying, guys, I don't want you to see riots and problems. I want you to see people in need of a savior. I want you to see not a Samaritan, but a soul. I want to do a work there, but God isn't just going to send an angel to write the gospel in the sky. He's calling people like you, and he's calling people like me to go and tell them about Jesus. Where's your Samaria? Who's your Samaritan? Because God might be wanting to do a big work there through you, through you. Here's the beautiful thing. Verse 36. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. You know, a lot of times we think we're the only ones Involved in this. And who's gonna, who's gonna do that? I, am I the, you're, you're calling me to go there? You're saying God wants me to go over there and tell them about Jesus and show them the love of God? Well, I, if I do that, I'm gonna be the only one that does that and that's gonna be really weird. <laughs> that would be really weird. But Jesus says, guys, no, 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 no. I've already been working there. You just haven't realized it yet. You haven't seen it yet. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestow no labor. You didn't even plant those seeds there, but I'm sending you to go get the harvest. Would you go get it? This, this picture, it's, it's the harvest. It's, it's almost overripe. Have you ever driven by a field, uh, and maybe in the late fall and the farmer hasn't gotten to the crop yet? And, and so, uh, it, it's just like the, 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 the grain is, is so ripe. It, it's, it's about to go to waste. It's about to go to waste. Jesus says, there's a harvest right there in front of you, but you got to look up and see it and go to these places and go get the harvest. I'm already at work there. But first, you got to lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and go see it. You know, there was a man by the name of Homer Chalmers McDaniel. Uh, he served in the military uh, right after the war, and I was actually stationed in Japan. And then uh, after about nine months in Japan, he went back to Japan as a missionary. 
And uh, of all places, he went to Niigata, Japan. Japan is uh, an island country. There's an island down the middle. And so it kind of splits it uh, between the two sides. A cold country, lots of snow there where we were back when he was as well. Uh, the backside of Japan, literally. And he decided that he was going to go there as a missionary. Homer Chalmers McDaniel started several churches in the Niigata area. I believe it was the 80s. Uh, several young people from one of those churches got together and they started a Bible study group on one of the college campuses, Niigata University, still there today, about 10,000 students. So uh, among the extracurricular activities, among the uh, outside activities from, from normal school, you know, you have soccer, you have uh, all kinds of ball that you can play, uh, there's all these things that you can do, and then there is a Bible study club <laughs> right there on a secular university campus. And they meet every Friday. I caught wind of this uh, going on, so I decided, you know what, if there's anybody that might be interested in learning about Jesus, this might be a place. Went there and met a young man and uh, invited him to church. Said, hey, are you going to church? No. Are you saved? No. Well, why don't you come to church? We'd love to have you come. He starts coming on Sunday nights. We start studying the Bible together. One day, he begins to ask me these questions. What? Uh, it's a process, but we... But he finally begins to ask these, he got to the point where he started asking these questions about, well, what if I can't live the Christian life after I get saved? What happens if I fail? I said, hey, man, the Christian life isn't hard, okay? It's impossible apart from the power of Jesus Christ. But God comes and lives inside of us, called out the Holy Spirit, and he enables us to live for him. And I said, hey, so that's how you do it. He said, I'm, I said, would you like to believe on Jesus Christ. He said, I'm ready. Place his faith in Jesus Christ. His name is Takafumi. He's the young man you saw in the picture earlier. You know, that many years ago, a missionary went to Japan, started a church who had young people, who started a group, who then, which continued to these, this present day, who then had a young man start coming, who then I got to meet, who you sent out a missionary to go talk to. God was working from 50 years ago, 60 years ago, and it reached down to him. God was already at work there before we even arrived. If that happens on the other side of the world, how much so here? How much so here in North Georgia? There's a church on every corner. Yeah, there's people who are lost and on their way to hell. Who is your Samaritan? Where's your Samaria? These are questions that we're going to have to ask if we're going to seriously consider ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. Where's your Samaria and who's your Samaritan? But you might be here this morning. You might say, I, man, I just don't like Samaritans. I don't like Jesus. I don't like church. I'm just here. <laughs> it's Memorial Day. Thank you so much for inviting me. If that's the case, guess what? Jesus still knows all of your mess, every last bit of it. And he says, hey, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, I know your struggle. I know your mess. I know the wreck that you're trying to cover up. I know that the, the lying, the cheating, the stealing that you've been trying to cover up this whole time. I know all of it. And I have a plan to fix that. I have a plan to forgive that. I took the penalty for that on the cross. Come unto me. If that's the case. If you're like this woman, your life is messed up. No one cares about you. Let me tell you that Jesus cares. This church cares. This church wants you to know who Jesus is. I want you to know who Jesus is. 
And if that's the case, right after we pray, there's going to be an invitation. And we would love to talk to you about how you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that you're on your way to heaven, and that you can have a new life in Jesus. But for those of us who claim the name of Jesus, please, please, answer these two questions. Not out loud, but there in your seat. Where's your Samaria? Who's your Samaritan? And if there's somebody that you see as a Samaritan instead of a soul, why don't you come to this altar today and confess that to an almighty God and say, God, I'm struggling with this. They're different from me. They look different. They believe different. They vote different. Everything's different. But God, they're not Samaritans. They're souls. You love them. You died for them. And this is what we're here for. And help me to get on board with what you're doing among the Samaritans in this community. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Everything about you is so radical and so opposite of what we would consider normal. The gospel itself, not of works, not something that we earn or deserve, not something that we can brag about, but something that we just freely receive as a gift no matter where we come from, no matter what we look like, no matter how much we earn or don't earn, no matter what we drive, no matter where we live, God, it's something that you freely pour out on us and offer it to all, to all who believe. You say, come one, come all, because it's already been made ready. Just receive by believing in what Jesus has done. But God, so often we take what you give so freely and limit it to the people who just look like us who talk like us, who vote like us. But Lord, that is not the case. Help us, Lord, to examine our hearts so that we could see every nation, tribe, and tongue, whether it's here in North Georgia or across the ocean in Japan, that we would see all these people come to, be, to know you, the only true God. Lord, you have given us a responsibility to take this message to these people. But so often, our own bias, our own prejudice gets in the way. Lord, if that's in a heart this morning here at Anchor of Hope Baptist Church, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, that you would convict, but also that we wouldn't just leave under conviction, that we would ask to be changed and transformed. God, only you can do this work in our hearts and lives. And that we would go from this place and say, God, no, they're not a Samaritan. It's a soul. To love them like you loved us so selflessly and to share the good news of what Jesus has done for them. And I pray, Lord, that if there's one here this morning who does not know, who has never enjoyed your grace through salvation, to know what it means to know you, to walk with you, to enjoy your presence, to enjoy the freedom in Jesus, that today they would come to know you as their Savior. Lord, we thank you that there is room for many, many more and for all who will believe. So Lord, help us to examine our hearts this morning. Stir us to action in the name of Jesus. I pray this in his name. Amen.